The following program was produced by an independent community producer. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of the ECAT staff or board of directors. Giving a voice to the voiceless, pulling stories out of the shadows and putting them under the spotlight, making sure that each person is valued and cared for. This is Humanity First with Peter Evers, presented by BAMZ. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Humanity First. And we have a wonderful episode uh, ahead of us today. Uh, we have a special guest, uh, Melanie Jones, who is a colleague of mine at BAMZ, who is going to come on and talk about Juneteenth, because this week is the week preceding Juneteenth, uh, a, a holiday that a federal holiday that some people think of as a new holiday, but in fact is you know, getting on for a hundred and something years old uh, and has been celebrated in commu- African-American communities uh, over the last hundred years. Uh, but we'll get a little bit of insight into that, uh, what families do on Juneteenth and why they celebrate. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to acknowledge that this month, June, is Pride Month. And Pride Month is very important when we think about our communities as in, uh, inclusive communities. Over the past few years, as with many uh, social changes, there has been a great deal of movement towards acceptance around the issue uh, of, uh, of gender uh, and of uh, sexual orientation. Um, and that can be looked upon as really good movement. You think about the, um, the advent of gay marriage uh, in Massachusetts being the first state in the, in the union to, to pursue that. You think about the generational change in the attitudes towards um, people's private lives. My uh, my children are in their early 30s, and this is not an issue for them. It's not something they talk about. They have friends who are gay. They have friends who are straight. They have friends who are trans. It's, it's not a part of a conversation about right or wrong, which is pretty upsetting for me this week when uh, I read about an incident that happened in Burlington, which is in our great state of Massachusetts, um, that seemed to put us back a little bit. I think in some ways this issue of transgender has taken uh, an unusual place in our society and the political debate at the moment. You know, the trans population is probably a a fraction of a percent of the people in this country, but there are people who want to make a political issue uh, out of uh, what trans people's rights are. And those rights are under attack at the moment, and therefore all of our rights are under attack because we do believe that this country is a country for everybody, regardless of who they are. But it does bump up against the uh, against individual rights here, and that's exactly what we saw in Burlington this week. We saw a group of children who refused to participate in wearing um, colors, um, in celebration of Pride Month, uh, they took it one step further and they protested against that, uh, saying that their pronouns were the USA, saying um, ripping down um, bunting that, had, that be, had been put up in the rainbow colors uh, and demanding that they had respect as heterosexual individuals. This is where the culture war is happening in this country. And this is it, it is quite distressing. If we think about our trans uh, friends, they are at more risk for suicide in this country, 10 times more than teenagers who are not trans. They're at risk from assault and murder 
uh, at way uh, more than the uh, general population. And we need to be able to protect those people and give them the right to live an authentic life in this country. That for me overcomes the individual rights of people whose rights are not under threat. Um, cisgender people are not under threat. Their rights are not. They're not um, being approached by a group of people who are trying to legislate them out of existence. We really need to pay attention to the houses that are burning as opposed to those aren't. This is Pride Month and it's another reminder that there's so much work to be done and so far to go. We'll be back in a minute. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm an essential worker here at BMZ and I'm a nurse. Nurses are essential here at BMZ because as nurses, we really have the opportunity to make an impact. We have very small ratios, so we have the opportunity to really learn everything about the person served and be able to give the best care. It really serves such a great purpose for me as being a nurse and really why I came into nursing. Learn more about nursing opportunities at bmzjobs.org. Giving a voice to the voiceless, pulling stories out of the shadows and putting them under the spotlight, making sure that each person is valued and cared for. This is Humanity First with Peter Evers, presented by BAMZ. And welcome back, everybody, to Humanity First. And um, we have a very special guest uh, in the studio today, uh, uh, Melanie Jones with us. Hi, Melanie. How are you? Very well, thank you. And Melanie, like me, works at BAMZ and is our compliance officer in the quality department. Um, But we're not going to talk about that today, (laughs) Melanie. Uh, So glad that you could join us. And... um, as we said uh, right at the top of the show, this week is a very special week. It's Juneteenth, actually on the 19th of June, and we're, yes. ru- we're sort of in the run-up to Juneteenth. And, you know, I'm really interested about Juneteenth because it's a, it's a in some ways it's the oldest holiday America's never known about, or at True. least much of an America have never known about. Um, and certainly me coming from another another country was um, really interested to discover both the roots of Juneteenth and the meaning of it um, and also the importance to communities, uh, African-American communities uh, in America. And I'll give you an example. Last night we were having a conversation in one of our meetings and um, Gwen and, and Gwen Broadway has been on this show before and she's a, um, she's a, a wonderful guest. But she was saying that every... Um, Juneteenth on the Monday, um, many, many families, um, African-American families go down to Franklin Park in Mm -hmm. uh, Dorchester and they have a huge party um, all day uh, and it is really a celebration. And I said, oh, wow, how long has that been going on? And she said, well, I don't know, 50 years, something like that. And that's when I thought it'd be really interesting to talk about that because it's also known as Freedom Day, right, Melanie? And, yes. And, and that seems kind of a big deal, uh, and a big deal that the, a proportion of this uh, society knows a lot about, but I would say the majority of, of, of society hasn't known about at all. Exactly, exactly. And I'm very familiar with the Juneteenth that they have at Franklin Park, um, but I did not know it was going on for 50 years. I found out about it recently, Um because to your point, a lot of people are not familiar with Juneteenth and not just the people you might think. There are lots of people of color who also don't know the history of Juneteenth. And I was one for a very long time. I knew about the party. I knew about the celebration. And I heard the term, but I didn't understand what it was. Um, yeah, so, so it's, it's sort of filtering into the consciousness of people. And um, 
I know it was made a federal holiday. Was it last year? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. The, the, was the first year, um, and I couldn't help thinking myself that that had something to do with some of the um, events that had happened really since 2020, mm -hmm. when we look back to the murder of George Floyd, for instance, and this sort of lifting in, in the, of the consciousness of America around the idea of, of diversity, equity, and social justice. Um, maybe I'm wrong about that, but it's certainly, like many of those other issues um, around equality, and race that have sort of been at the forefront of people's minds recently. But maybe we can go back a little bit and say, well, okay, we know what it is now. It's, it's, it's a day off to celebrate freedom. It's a day off to celebrate the end of slavery. But the officially. The, uh, officially, <laughs> yeah. that's right. Well, that's a story in and of itself. Yeah. Can, can, we, can we start there? Yeah, I think it's incredible that it was two years from the time that slavery was supposedly abolished and ended in the country and that there were whole towns of people that did not know that and were still living that lifestyle and it was protected it was meant to be that way kept that way on purpose that people were denied the freedoms that the government had said okay it's time and the, and the government had done that in on january the first of uh, 1863 i think is that right yeah and then right. we're looking at juneteenth being obviously June the 19th, 1865, mm -hmm. unbelievable. Yeah. And you know, you might say, well, you know, the, the, the communication was different in those years. But interestingly enough, some states embraced this straight away and then other states with, um, with landowners, et cetera, didn't. And Galveston is the focal point, right, right. Of, of, of what happened. Can, yeah, can they had a them? lot to lose. And I don't know all of the history of that, but I know that they had a lot to lose. And it's like, what was the benefit for them to to abolish to let their slaves go free um there wasn't a benefit there definitely wasn't a financial gain it would be a loss um and then having to share their communities i think it went beyond you know, i think that it seems to me that it goes back to what a lot of people talk about is recognizing the humanity in people and i think slaves were not seen as human they were seen as chattel they were seen as property they were seen as things mm. and you know you don't let go of things that work for you right. you keep those things and um a lot of the landowners in that area and the, the business owners and the merchants were profiting well off of keeping slavery intact and the slaves didn't know any better you know there was no internet there was no slow snail mail the right. you know families weren't coming by to tell them right. <laughs> like you know so it unfortunately um delayed the freedoms that they deserved and and so much more than just the freedom because everything that goes with freedom was so, also delayed yeah i mean it's such a fascinating point isn't it and you know in many of the books that i've read you know there is this hypothesis that african americans essentially created the framework of, of the capitalist society and the and the wealthy society that america is today um and of course the argument is that you know african americans are in some ways more important than than um, those folks that came from Europe, et cetera, you know, and settled the land. And also, I think something that sticks in my mind is that, you know, when you are fighting for social change and social justice, um, like people were back in those days, yeah. you can't assume that people are going to give up what is working for them, right. what is economically beneficial for those. And I do think um, that there's an awful lot of mental 
sort of gymnastics that goes on with people in those situations to justify um, you know the terror the terrorism of what slavery was at that time right I, I would agree with that and I think the unfortunate thing too is you know the terror remains too I think it, it becomes a part of I thought ecology of people once you've gone through something it changes how um, families interact with each other and I think that it definitely has impacted how races interact with each other and it keeps it going yeah. it's like we can't trust each other um, and we we can't work together um, and all these assumptions are made about each other um, and it's been unfortunate and that in this 21st century we're still having these kinds of struggles because we should be so far away from it. Yeah. And you do and it's such an interesting point, isn't it? And I do think that the fact that people are becoming more aware of Juneteenth mm -hmm. is another small factor in in these building blocks of trust and acceptance. Um, we're so far away from that, uh, but but I do love the fact that people actually have a, a conscience a consciousness of that because I think it is difficult in areas of America where people, I mean, take the issue of banning books at the moment, mm. which of course is a big, a big issue. Um, you would not have thought that a society like ours were arguing to ban books because we, we've been through that. We've legislated that. There are groups of people who don't want to have those conversations. As we were talking about in the first section of the show about Pride Month, you know, mm -hmm. that there are people who would like to legislate human beings out of existence, which is an extraordinary thing in this mm -hmm. society. But where is the hope in this? Where is the where is the hope? Um, is it in education? Is it in sharing our values? Is it in celebrating yeah. uh, the wins? Um, of everybody that's a, I think that's such a uh, interesting question because it's I think it's different for everyone you know I think a lot of people say oh it's about exposure it's about you know taking down the barrier so we can come together and see our sameness and then for other people it's about they need a different type of education they need to kind of understand that the psychology of it and that it isn't just a matter of like let's sit down and eat together because you can work with a lot of people and live with a lot of people and not value them so i think it's different things for different people and it kind of that's part of i think the the difficulty is that there's not one way to fix it or undo it or or anything like that but i do think for a lot of families like my family um, it is about sharing the stories and making sure that the young people are aware. And it's difficult. And the, there's a lot of, you know, being a, a kid in the 21st century is pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. There's a lot of fun things to do. And, um, you know, everything seems right with the world. Like you can go where you want and have what you want. You don't understand that that wasn't always the case. Um, but our family in like this weekend, we're having our family reunion and we are going to make sure that one of the things that we do is talk about Juneteenth um, and talk about um, what our not because we know for sure our family history, but we have enough stories that we know that we struggled to get to where we are and we need to appreciate it. We need to make sure that we don't take those kinds of things for granted. Um, and so I think that it comes with um appreciating one another with exposure, with education, um, and really valuing what you don't always understand by getting to understand it a little bit more. Yeah, it's, oh my God, I mean, that just absolutely nails it for me because I think when, 
I talk a lot about appreciative inquiry in, in my world, which is this idea of not assuming that everybody else's experiences are the same as yours and therefore your reaction yeah. to something that happens. And if I, I'll give you an example of that, actually. We were talking last night about um, uh, uh, cell phones and uh, at work. And, um, you know, I said, well, maybe we can give people a call. And, and we were actually talking about a group of um, new Americans mm -hmm. from the, the continent of Africa who who work um, at our organization. Um, and one of the people said, well, you know, people are a bit worried that their phone's going to be tapped. And there was this there was this funny reaction. It was like, oh, come on. And then and I thought, well, wait a minute, appreciative, apply the rules of appreciative inquiry yeah. here. Um, and we had this conversation about O.J. Simpson a, a few days ago mm -hmm. as well. What events in people's lives lead them to have an opinion about a, an event or something that they're witnessing? And that really is the essence of appreciative inquiry, isn't it? Yeah, that understanding, absolutely. oh, I see. If I'd have had a number of experiences like that along the way, whether it be in this country, whether it's a, a, somebody, a new American coming from a different place in the world, that is going to frame the way in which we see the world now, right? Yeah, absolutely. Invalidate that. Even though you don't understand it, you understand that someone feels this way for a reason. You know, it may not be what you experience, what you feel, but that person does, and it does absolutely shape them. And understanding that, and or at least validating it, will start to open up different conversations that you can have with that person, so you can move to a place of understanding. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, we talked before about feeling safe enough to do that, and that's really something that I think comes with validity. When you can validate someone's experience or acknowledge it, um, and not just dismiss it, that's a first step. I think that's a first step in starting to build a, a place and a platform for a deeper conversation. Yeah. I mean, where does it start, though? Because, you know, I think there's so much progress being made and then yeah. something will happen. You say, well, yeah. people have to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, and we talked about being brave, too. And I think, you know, sometimes that means you're going to be willing to look foolish and also offend people and, and be willing to apologize and willing to look silly and most of us aren't comfortable in that position and we don't want to be labeled a certain kind of person there is and a risk to that this it happens people the cancel culture yeah. is brand new right. and it's it's live and thriving right. um and you don't want to get fired from your job right. and you don't want to lose your friends and your family i mean this splits up communities yeah so i think that the first thing is is trying to find someone that you feel close enough to that you can start having those conversations. And what happens is it starts its own community. You meet their friends, they meet more of your friends. Um, and I, I think work is actually a good place for that. Mm -hmm. We have at BMZ such a diverse community of people. I mean, all different countries, languages. Um, so I think, you know, you start where you're at. If you're in school, that's where you do it. If you're lucky enough to be in a diverse community or you know get involved in your kids school because there's so many people so many places and opportunities that you know you can connect with people and understand um a little bit more about someone who's not exactly like you yeah i i totally agree with you and 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 i think it is about taking risks sometimes mm -hmm. it is about um it is about not being afraid to make a mistake, but also to be apologetic and, and to learn from that. You know, somebody said to me the other day that um, 
and oh, this may have been you actually. I, I, I remember this conversation. It's actually not about anything related to, but having a conversation with somebody who uses foul language, and mm-hmm. and if you and if you don't like that, you point that out to them, and you get in this rather comical situation where they keep saying it and keep saying sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. not. It's really like, could you learn from this so that you can? <laughs> right, it becomes the the um <laughs> the exclamation point on the end of the curse word. It's like, oh, I'm, you say they say it, and then they're sorry right after. Um, but it's and that's good because it creates that consciousness of it. Because I think a lot of times we do live these unconscious existences, and we're just living our lives, and it's all great, yeah. and we're just not really aware of what other people are going through, what other people may be experiencing, even if it's right in front of us. Yeah. And so I think you know by saying something, you bring to someone else's consciousness something different, yeah. or um, the way you move is different. The way you talk is is different. So I just think that uh, it's important when you can say something to say something, just to um, start conversations. Yeah, when we talk about allyship and when we talk about being, you know, sort of involved in in our communities, um, it really is about not waiting for somebody. You know, is it is it going to be? an African-American person that brings this up. It it probably should be, no, you know, if you see something, you know, say something, get involved in the conversation. And so that, you know, your colleague isn't taking on sort of the entire burden of that, of of whatever that micro or macroaggression might be. Right, that's so true. And I think that that's when um, the cancel culture can come in too, because sometimes people think that, well, it's not your place. You know, and so it's it can stop people. And I would encourage people to not be stopped by that. Yeah. You know, if your heart is in the right place, if your intention is well, people may misunderstand, but it is um, better to learn from the experience. I think, you know, we go through life learning lessons all the time and you will find support. I always feel like people find their tribe eventually. You will yeah. find the people who will support you and will help you, you know, become your best version of yourself. And that's gonna improve the community that you're in yeah. naturally. The better yeah. you are, the better your community. What a wonderful way to finish. Yeah. I mean, I and, and as, we, as we approach Juneteenth, um, I think it is really incumbent upon us all to just delve into it, find out a little bit of that, a, bit, a little bit of that history and realize what came after that. And, um, and you know, and not wait for somebody else to tell you. I mean, go and find out because yeah. this is equally as much a part of the culture of this country as anything else that exists within it. Absolutely. Melanie, thank you so much for coming on today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks. <laughs>